What's up, everybody? And welcome back for another episode of Boots to, to Balls. We are all warmed up. We're ready to outkick Louisiana sports coverage with you. For all you first-timers who don't know who we are, one, thanks for finding us. Two, I am David Storm Manning, PA announcer, game day host for your New Orleans Saints. Pardon me for not going big. Uh, we're in the middle of a three-game home stretch, and Daddy's got to hold the voice for this Sunday against the G-Men. Uh, and joining me, as always, the man with a master hair plan, the one and only Donald Dunn. What's going on, Donald? So this weekend, I feel like we learned a little bit about maybe what teams can be, what they can't be, and that no matter what someone says you are, you can always become what you truly are capable of and achieve your highest dreams. Tigers. Yes, indeed. We're going to talk about that and so much more. But before we kick things off, uh, you guys may notice a couple of things. First and foremost, uh, we're not all hanging out in studio in the capital city today. And uh, there's only two of us. Yes. Producer Pratt couldn't be here and neither could producer Brett. So, uh, So Donald and I are left to our own devices today. Which means we'll probably be semi-limited on the hot takes, I suppose. One of a kind episode. Ah, uh, that makes me so, so sad. But of course, <laughs> hey, that's what happens <laughs> when you give us editing power. Oh, course, it's going to be one of those shows, y'all. Dial in. We do want to thank Tommy Tally, Echo Tango, everyone over there who normally hosts us. We look forward to joining you back in a couple weeks, maybe. We'll see you before Christmas. We'll see. But uh, and- it'll be a fun show. Nevertheless, me and Dave getting to run things and uh, have our way with it. Indeed. Indeed. I'm like a kid in a candy store over here. Uh, so before we jump into things, we got to kick it back to the comments. Yes. We did get some fan predictions from uh, some of our viewers and listeners that we have added to our own predictions when we look back later in the show. Absolutely. We will make sure to include those also uh, all of you guys out there who are commenting on our Instagram videos, on our, our TikTok videos, all the, the short yes. form videos, as well as our full episode shows, don't think we don't see you. We see you, and we appreciate it. Y'all keep those comments Thank coming. You. Thank you. And uh, we will definitely make sure to interact with you guys through your favorite social media channels. If you're not following us, right here, just right below that little right ticker. Blue. Pick any one, or preferably all, of the uh, social media channels you see. Find us, follow us, that way as news breaks, you don't have to wait a week to find out about it. Alright, I believe, uh, I believe that's it. We ready? Let's get into the thing? Let's get into the thing. So, uh, you and I were talking about it in pre-show. Absolutely. And this is episode... 17. 17. Yep. So background show, what, four, five? Five, I believe, yeah. So 12 weeks ago, which is, I don't know, roughly the length of the college football season. Almost, yeah, it doesn't feel like it, but truly it is. We were having discussions about stopping the Jaden Daniels hate, and this was not long after the uh, the Florida State loss to kick things off in the season. And we were talking about how, you know, this could be the season that Jaden Daniels actually wins the Heisman Trophy. And as the season progressed and things evolved, we found out that that kid is exactly who we thought that he was. So to my boy, Jaden, 
Congratulations. Not only did Jaden Daniels win the Heisman, but he also won the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award. Very nice. The Davy O'Brien Award. Excellent. The Walter Camp Player of the Year. I hope y'all aren't getting sick of the claps because the awards, they just keep coming. The 2023 AP SEC Offensive Player of the Year. How about that? And CBS Sports College Player of the Year. That's just one man and all the trophies he took home this season. Exactly. Uh, we had some other Tigers who also did some pretty outstanding things. Uh, Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, and offensive tackle Will Campbell. Uh, congrats to them. They were be uh, they were named to the coaches All SEC First Team for 2023. Beautiful. Uh, Brian Thomas and offensive tackle Emory Jones Jr. They join Harold Perkins, named to the All SEC Second Team, also deserving of the clap. Absolutely. Uh, then you had uh, Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors, who were also named to the AP All-SEC First Team. Loaded. Thomas and Campbell were named to the second team there. Indeed. And then uh, Daniels and Neighbors were also part of the 2023 Walter Camp All-America Team. Malik Neighbors, first team wide receiver. Jaden Daniels, second team quarterback? The winner of the Walter Camp Award came in second to the person who did not. A little bit interesting there. You put Penix at first team, which I guess I can see why you would. But why did you say that, you know, they play the same position? Tell me, Donald, why would you put Michael Penix first team? See, this is the only thing I can think of, and I'm going to be... A little bit maybe unique here. I think for some reason the voters for this All-America team list looked at only the quarterback stats, which means they did not account for the thousand yards of rushing and the additional ten touchdowns that Jaden produced by his uh, outstanding rushing ability. This is one of those weird things, and you know, this is a larger debate we see across sports, across many different elements. If the entire position does a wide range of jobs, but you only show certain statistics that are that position's job, it kind of can dilute the value of the player. And this is something I think that sort of spoke to you know, a lot of people with Jaden this year is that, you know, as a quarterback ball thrower, as you will, he had not the highest statistics, so they automatically disqualify. But when you consider the total quarterback, which by this point we've had Russian quarterbacks dominate leagues for over 20 years now, leaving those statistics out is almost unfathomable, if not laughable. So when you look at the, the structure of these awarded teams right yeah you're talking about the all-america team if you would imagine having to take this all-america team in like the little league all-star sense of yeah. it, and you're going to put them up against i don't know the all russia team the yeah. all spain team the all south america team who do you want starting for you 
think do you want that. <laughs> do you want Jaden Daniels? Do you want Michael Penix? And if the answer is Jaden Daniels, then he should be your first team quarterback. I agree. Uh, and that's just one guy's opinion. Um, I, I, I was very surprised to see Michael Penix get first team nod. If they're just looking at passing stats, all right, yeah, fine, I get it. Michael Penix did have great passing numbers. That was all that kept him in the Heisman discussion anyway. But mm, overall, overall, I have a very hard time putting Michael Penix first. And it's not just because I have an LSU bias, though I do. You do. But if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. Numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. He was a better all-around, all-performing quarterback. And if I had to pick, he's the one I want and on I my team. Not only first. that, but one thing to consider here. You look at Jaden particularly in the Heisman voting. Won four out of six geographical regions. The only ones that did not put him first was the West and the Midwest, which now is the home to both the Big Ten and the future Big Ten. So it's a little bit weird to see that that nature, that region of the country, just couldn't get past the regionality and say that, you know, everywhere else agrees by a wide margin one guy was the best. But that regionality of the voter was able to influence things. And I I made a post about this, I believe, on our um, formerly Twitter, now X page, about, you know, if you don't believe there's a regionality to these awards, there absolutely is. Where these voters come from makes a big difference. We talked about it in a previous episode. If you've only been listening to Fox and NBC and their Big Ten, Pac-12 coverage, and you aren't watching SEC coverage where you're getting to see Jaden Daniels every week and week tear apart teams, even in losses where he puts up 50 points against Mississippi, uh, Ole Miss in that case, you know, you're missing out. And I think it's something to where in this new environment where you're going to have the media contract shuffled again next year and you're losing even more of the nation off of everybody's uh, football coverage, basically. You're going to have no SEC on CBS, so it's going to be exclusively ESPN ABC for the Big 12 and the SEC, and then all the rest of them go over to CBS, NBC, and um, Fox. That's going to be really interesting to see how these trophies continue to be voted on with that new regional bias being implemented. So I would like to conduct a bit of a social experiment using our listeners on the topic of this regional bias. Because to hear you talk about that now I have a theory and I want to test the theory but it's not a theory that I can test on my own. Mm. Now I know from looking at the metrics, we've got listeners uh, far-reaching from yeah. uh, well outside the boot. Everywhere. And if that's you, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Please Absolutely. tell all your friends and uh, please continue to share the, the program with everybody that you know. If you are outside the boot, do you find when discussing college football that in your region, whatever your region is, whether you're in the Pac-12 or the Big Ten or whatever the the dominant conference is where you are. Is there an anti-SEC bias? Very much like down here we were for the longest time, very anti-Tom Brady, because we had Drew Brees, everybody talking about Tom Brady, and we were like, oh, that guy. 
Because we got Drew Brees, and he's got all the personal records, but Tom Brady's got six rings, so he's the GOAT. Ah. Exactly. Um, is, there a, is there a similar bias out there regionally where y'all are just like, man, F the SEC. So tired of hearing about the SEC. SEC, SEC, Alabama, Georgia, LSU. Is that a thing, or are we just... I, is it not a thing? Is it? Is it not? Let us know. Make sure Absolutely. you put it in the comments. Because now I'm curious. I, I'm very curious to know if there is that whole regional bias. Because and and I and I say this again, statistically speaking only. Yeah. The SEC has been at the top of the 25 forever. It seems. You know, we, back into Joe Burrow those days. Yeah. You had Tennessee, you had Alabama, you had Georgia. You still do. You had other teams that, you know, crept in there and kept it high. You've got your Michigan. You've got your um, Ohio State. You've uh, Oklahoma has had a bunch of good seasons recently. Stanford. uh, There are a bunch of other schools outside that are still making their, their names in. Oregon, Washington this year. But the SEC has always kind of been in the conversation or right about the top of the 25. Are y'all tired of hearing about the SEC? Is there a regional bias against because of? That's all I want to know. Yeah, and not only that, but, you know, 19 of the last 20 national champions have come from the SEC's footprint. That basically means we're taking Clemson and Florida State with us. Um, But the southeastern portion of the United States basically owns college football be it through the polls be it through national championships and now heisman's you can also see that starting to sway in that direction look the sport is regional and this is something that you hear a lot from the sec whenever we have our teams having to go play national championships in states like california that were united that were you know decided four or five years in advance and you were just basically stuck there and then you say the attendance is low well the attendance is low because it's a regional sport now, thankfully, I think a lot of the nation has started to learn the value of college football, has started to embrace it, and that makes for a better product. And I'm excited to see what this new version is and sort of where it will take things because you see someone like Jaden Daniels who came from California, the you know inland part of California, the valley, to bring him out into the south, see that he was embraced, loved, supported. It doesn't matter where you're from. You can succeed anywhere in this country with football, and now with the transfer portal being as hot as it is, you know, we'll talk a little bit about it later on, you know, the opportunity is no longer exclusively regional, and I think that's going to make for a stronger college football going forward. I agree, and I'm anxious to see the results of our poll. Put it up there and just uh, let us know what you think. What are things like where you are? Also, don't forget when you're putting those comments up there, let us know where you are because uh, we love getting a chance to get to know you guys individually. Absolutely. So let us know if you're Paul listening from Saskatoon or what have you. Uh, let us know. That way we can shout you out in we the see next. You Canada listeners. Don't think you're high. Yeah, we do. Uh, before we get off of the LSU bandwagon, Absolutely. Malik Neighbors, and we've talked about this uh, for the past couple yeah. of weeks. He is 22 yards away. 22. One Before good you get into edge. that, I have to stop you. Okay, stop me. He was robbed. Was he? Was he? robbed of the Blitnikoff by one vote. Oh, I agree. You've heard yeah. it already. The on three reporter out of Ohio that basically said, if you want to know why Malik Neighbors lost is because 
he basically ranked them Marvin Harrison Jr., Ozuna from, and I believe I'm pronouncing it right, sorry if I'm not, from Washington, then Malik Neighbors. Basically saying, like, I was your vote that made you lose, haha. And basically bragging about it. And I think that's one thing about media also is that if you think that basically using your platform to uh, put people down in this era is going to get you anything, did we not learn from Angel Reese? Did we not learn from the LSU National Championship? If you try and attack college athletes purely based on you just having a uh, bias against them, it's not going to get you anything. And he was basically publicly lambasted for that and good on him for that. He doesn't deserve any clout from it, so I'm not giving his name out. But, you know, people work very hard. Malik had the numbers. He was robbed. And if you want to do that so you can get your own little chasing up there in Ohio, more power to you, but you don't got to tear the kid down to do it. So I'm gonna, I want to take a moment to piggyback on that. For any young broadcasters out there who are watching what we're doing and, and wanting to get in, let me give you a very important media training lesson. And this is something that uh, if you forget everything else, don't forget this. If you ever believe that you have an axe to grind, and you grind that axe publicly, it will be the one to chop off your head. 100% of the times. 100% of the times. Don't ever, ever come out and air your dirty laundry publicly. It will never go well for you. Never go well for you. Um, but yes, Malik Neighbors, 100% robbed. Yeah. But one thing that that vote can't rob him for is the opportunity to break Josh Reed's record for most career receiving yards. 22 yards away. He has said he is going to play in the ReliaQuest Bowl on New Year's Day. Good on the man. And I believe wholeheartedly that that is going to be priority one for the LSU Tigers is making sure that that record gets broken. And I think that once it does, you probably don't see Malik Neighbors Mm -hmm. anymore. No need. So here then is the question for you. Okay. Who's throwing those balls? So will it be will it be the Heisman Trophy winner Jaden Daniels who has said uh, that he wants to see his friend break that record? And there have been rumblings that maybe he's going to come out, he's going to dress, he's going to throw until that record gets broken and then they both ride off into the sunset. Yeah. Or is the smart money on Jaden not risking injury because now his draft stock is super high? He's literally, you're talking about, if he gets injured, it is life-changing money. Oh, yeah. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars at this point. If he, you know, if he, you know, blows out an ACL or whatever. Yeah. Does he sit to protect himself? Does he play to get Malik to the record. I don't think he's going to play any further if he does. So, what do you think we're going to see? A lot of people were watching the uh, post-Heisman interviews trying to see, okay, is Jaden going to tip his hat? Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Will this basically um, give it away in some way or another? And he did not necessarily do that. He did not say, I'm not playing, but he didn't say, oh yeah, I'm going to be there to help Malik out. So, What's going on, probably, is Jaden is in the process of basically pre-screening an agent, if I had to guess. 
um, because you cannot have an agent in college football in the days of NIL where you're making millions of dollars, but you're happy to have a manager. And there's a joke in there about that if you've seen certain programs. Um, nevertheless, he has to basically be getting ready for the draft. Everyone knows he's coming out. He's now in mock drafts that are pushing him into the top 10, which was more than anybody thought. I've even seen his teammates. If you want to see the power of winning a Heisman uh, and the power of having a Heisman season, Brian Thomas Jr. has now been mocked into the first round as well as Malik Neighbors. So you're talking about seeing three first-round Tigers. Um, which, you know, would be, I think, a testament to the program, to the building of athletes after what was, what was you know, p- kind of a rough season. Uh, a lot of what many Tiger fans have tried to say is a lost season, but I think it was just different. I think it was unfortunate that you didn't have a chance to play for a national championship, but you certainly had the chance to go out there and prove that you are one of the elite teams of all time. Nevertheless... Do I think Jaden is out there throwing the pass? Personally, I would like to see it. I would like to see them both start if LSU even has the coin toss and you have the choice to start with the ball, you start with the ball. You basically send heavy pass protection. You try and get the passes, be it check downs over the middle. You want to throw one deep one out there just for the sake of it to say one last go. By the way, I'm the Heisman Trophy winner. Don't play around. You don't let Jaden get one of his patented and now famous absolute just destroying hits where he gets absolutely splattered all over the field and somehow manages to come back and run for 200 yards on your team. We don't need to do that, but let him go out there. Let him maybe score a touchdown together. Brian uh, Kelly can call the timeout, basically give them a curtain call style like you might see in baseball, something like that. Let them be able to be recognized by the Tiger faithful who go out to Tampa and then, yeah, because nowadays, look, these these non-New uh, Year's Six Bowl games are basically, it's kind of like red shirt games and warm-ups to see who's going to take the spots of those who leave in the transfer portal and who's going to get a last chance to sort of say, hey, I deserve to be on this team. Don't go get somebody and replace me this summer. So do we do we feel like if you see Jaden Daniels, let's let's put on the DC cap for yeah. a second. You're Wisconsin, and you see Jaden Daniels suited up, comes out, gets in the huddle. You know why he's there. Oh yeah. Are you going to try to play the Tigers hard and stop them from scoring that from from accomplishing that record? Yeah. Or do you let them just break the record, and then? play the rest of the game essentially knowing it's the fastest way to get to Nussmeyer um right I think that you play we'll give you 25 yards just get out of here I think you play standard I don't think you change up the um I don't think excuse me I don't think you change up your strategy I think you have plenty of reason to let your guys go get some more quality snaps you're seven and five this year at times Wisconsin looked like they could challenge for you know a shot a chance to get into the championship game at other times they look like complete dumpster fire they had their own problems um you look at a team that managed to get through the big 10 west and iowa that was a joke as far as offensive production i think wisconsin needs to look and say hey they managed to still pull out 10 wins in this league how did we only come up with seven and sort of build from there. I, I don't think this is one where you necessarily see 
any type of a hitman situation where it's like, oh, I'm about to go, you know, blow up the Heisman Trophy winner, and that'll somehow get me more praise. I don't think that's what, I don't think that's what that coaching staff would want to do. I don't think that's where their their heads are at. And uh, like I said, the faster Jaden does what he does if he plays, the faster you get Nussmeier. So, Malik Neighbors setting records. Does he stop right on the other side of that record, or? Does he play the whole game and pad the stat? No, I think it's going to end up being NFL preseason style. You're going to get your objectives taken care of, and then you're getting pulled. I would agree. I think that uh, strategically, from a coaching perspective, that's the way to go. Yeah. If I'm a player, I want that record. Oh, but yeah. you better go get me my money, too. Yeah. Uh, and Malik's so, got some money coming his way. Malik and Jaden both. And I tell you what, kudos to both because... You have deserved it. Absolutely. What a, what a great season by the offense. Literally, you know, even though it will not be complimented by a defense, an offensive performance for the ages. Indeed. All right. So uh, anything else you want to say about LSU before we move on? Because we've got think, some stuff to talk about. I think and, we covered uh, LSU. Let's go and uh, take a look at this other program I'm hearing about. All right, we're going to travel on down to NOLA from the capital city to the Big Easy. Uh, the Tulane new head coach, he says, hello. Yes. His name, in case you don't know, John Summerall. Mm. Uh, he had his introductory presser uh, on the 11th, December 11th, which was Monday. He is the former Troy Trojans head coach this season. Went 11-2, won the Sunbelt Championships. He was the runner-up for Sunbelt Coach of the Year. He even led the Trojans to back-to-back 10-win seasons for the first time in over 20 years. In case you're wondering how Tulane's going to do next season, if this season was any indication, he outscored opponents 254 to 78. Ooh, yes, a lot of points. 23-4 in the last two seasons, which is the same record as Willie Fritz. And he is a... Mm, slightly familiar with Tulane as he is their former defensive coordinator back from the 2012 to 2014 seasons. So he is not uh, completely unknown and unfamiliar to to Uptown Nolan. He came in in that presser. I don't know if you saw it, Donald. Tons of energy. Lots to say. Very excited. Very excited. I tell you what, and he made you excited for the program too. He might even have made uh, Brett excited about Just the program. Just a little bit. I hear, he's, I hear he's been in that area recently. I don't know. We'll, see if he, we'll have to talk to him and see if he had a little run-in. Uh, this is what he said. This was a quote from his presser. He said, our vision here is we're going to win conference championships. Okay. okay. I like that. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah, I hope so. We're going to win bowl games. Yeah. Yeah. Please hopefully. do. That'd be great. Cool. I'm telling you right now, I'm speaking it into existence. We're going to make the college football playoffs and we're going to win it. Pump the brakes. You went a bit too far there, Johnny. Whoa! That is quite the statement. In the opening press conference, too. I mean, did you just not see that guy in A&M who had to walk out after he got his commemorative fill-in-the-blank national championship plaque? It's a bad look, John. It's a bad look. I am not saying that it's not possible. But I am saying, if you're buying in to John Summerall and the hype, don't believe it's going to happen next season or no. the season after that. Now, let's let's be realistic for, for yeah. a second. 
Tulane right now, if you keep Willie Fritz, they are right on the outside of the top 25. And they have flirted Absolutely. with the bottom five for the second half of the season. They were in it some weeks. They were out of it some weeks. This season, I think they got up as high as like 17 or 19. Yeah. We're going to be moving into a 12-team playoff season. Mm-hmm. Uh, 12-team playoff format. Um, format. Thank you. Next season. It's not out of the realm of possibility if this winning tradition from Tulane continues yeah. with this winning con- tradition from John Summerall that they could be at 17-18 with another 10-2 season next year Easily. if they either keep a lot of talent or bring in a lot of talent. And how much of a jump do you, does one have to make in another year to go from 18 to 12? And if he is that guy, like, this is doable. And to get into the playoffs. This new format's going to be weird. Because you saw it this year. Liberty got the New Year's Six invite because they were the highest ranked group of five champions. Group of, I guess, still five, even though what is the Mountain West? That will be determined this summer, we believe, and we'll get a word of that change for 26. But um, we'll call it the group of five for now. Um, if Tulane would have won the conference championship game, they would have made it in. SMU, who beat them, is no longer going to be a problem. They're going to the ACC. Because nothing says Atlantic like Dallas, Texas. So, you're now going to have a slightly weakened AAC, American Conference, with Army moving in. With Army moving in, that basically means that the best team on paper is going to be UTSA and Tulane. Those are the two that are fighting. You can throw Memphis in there. And South Florida wants to be competitive. We'll see if they continue to invest in their program. You have four strong teams in this conference now. The rest are respectfully, and you can look at this through power rankings, however you want to call it, low-tier FBS programs. Tulane has to either go undefeated every year, basically becoming a Boise State of old, and try and get into the proper top ten, beating probably one or two ranked non-conference opponents. Last year's TCU. Exactly. Or they're going to have to just win the AAC and hope that they're the highest ranked. Which, with the Mountain West strengthening, could be a challenge. See, that's what I was was going to bring up is... I think the biggest thing that is going to hold Tulane back from getting into the college football playoffs is going to be strength of schedule. I agree. AAC is not um, its not the SEC. It's not the... the Great the basketball conference. Right. But when it comes to football, <clears throat> if, you're looking, if you're looking at an Alabama or a Georgia, and you're looking at the powerhouse teams that they had to play in the season to get to... One through five. All right, that makes sense. You've got three or four games against top 25 opponents, and you're beating them handily. You deserve to be in the top couple of spots. And I think this was part of the problem with Florida State, which, by the way, I still believe was was an FSU screw job. Mm -hmm. But um, for Tulane to be taken seriously in their... They're either going to have to get out of that conference yep. and get into a a tougher conference where 
the wins mean more. Yeah. Or they're going to have to start scheduling some tougher opponents. Like earlier this year, they had Ole Miss. If they would have put the bricks to Ole Miss and beat them 35-3, to yep. that would have said some things. Would have easily. If they would have beat Ole Miss, respectfully, and Ole Miss still carried on its trajectory that it would have, I think they would have been top 12. I think they would have already been top 12. If they yep. won the AAC 13-0, top 12, easily. I could see that. Especially... Especially with a dominant win over a ranked team like an Ole Miss, yep, it'd be hard to deny them. But until they get more competition, if they, it's like being seven foot tall. No, no. Let me tell you what it's like. It's like being the only eleven foot tall man in all of the NBA. Oh yeah. I. I you're fishing in a barrel. Yeah, you did nobody's, something, but what did you nobody's do? You good just for walked you. in. Nobody's going to take you seriously. Yep. You're the you're the the 20 year old who has a birth certificate saying you're 13 to play on a pee wee team. Exactly. And and I hate that for Tulane because I would love to see John Summerall do exactly what he says he's going to do, but he's going to have to make some. Some things are going to have to change for that to happen, I think. It's going to be very difficult just for the way that things are structured at Tulane for him to accomplish the things that he says he wants to. But I wish him all the the, the best of luck, and I'm going to be following him the entire way. Absolutely. I mean, look, Tulane, you got to beat out the AA. You got to beat out the Sun Belt. You have to beat out the Mountain West next year. Try and go 13 and 1. Try and go 12 and 1. If you can do that, you have a much better chance. But it's going to be hard. You saw that it wasn't enough this year. You've got to only be one loss if you want a chance at that playoff. Yep. Summerall says he's going to talk with all the players that have mentioned that they were going to enter the transfer portal after Coach Willie Fritz left. So maybe he uh, gets some uh, folks to stick around. But if mm-hmm. not, then maybe. maybe he brings in some new faces. And we'll see uh, what some some new blood can do for the Tulane Green Wave. If you want to get your first look at John John Summerall's Tulane Green Wave, you're going to have to wait till next season. Interim coach Slade Nagel is slated to lead the wave against the Virginia Tech Hokies in the GoBowling.com Military Bowl on December 27th. That's right. So, right around the corner uh, there. Day game during the week. Hope you have the week off. If not, such a DVR. Yep. For sure. All right. Uh, we're getting into bowl games. We're actually going to predict bowl game this weekend. It's already happening, folks. It's bowl season. And you know what else is going to happen in just three short days? What is that day? Somebody, maybe you, you. will be $10,000 richer. Family Promise of St. Tammany Parish would like to give you $10,000. And this is the last you're ever going to hear me talk about it, at least for this year. Family Promise is an organization that provides shelter, help, and hope for families on the North Shore, and they cannot do it alone. Which is why, for only $25 from back since November 1st, you can buy tickets for their fourth annual Family Promise raffle. Since November 1st, they've been drawing for amazing daily prizes, and all the daily winners have remained eligible for the $10,000 grand prize drawing that's going to take place in just three short days. December 15th. The more tickets you have, the better your odds. 
So hurry up, get yours now at fpstp.org. That is FPSTP, short for Family Promise, St. Timony Parish.org. And of course, it'd be remiss if we don't mention some of our other friends here on the Boot Sports Network that help you bring help bring this amazing show to you all every week. And of course, we're going to go to McNeil Engineering. They provide comprehensive design services, including civil engineering, structural engineering, land surveying, high definition scanning landscape architecture and consulting services to the private and public sectors they are committed to delivering timely responsive and economical design solutions for over 30 years mcneil engineering has thrived on establishing personal relationships and providing quality designs to their clients they immerse themselves in each project and become part of the team to thoroughly understand the customer's vision they care about the economics of their projects and more importantly the satisfaction of each customer project deadlines are an absolute not a goal once again, we'd like to thank McNeil Engineering. Thanks, McNeil. Absolutely. So it was a big Sunday in the Caesars Superdome. The Saints, and we said it last week, if ever there was a must-win game. This was the one. Well, now everyone is a must-win game. Right. But last week most definitely was. And we tried to speculate what it would be like today if the Saints would have lost that game, and thankfully... We were not there. They did not. They did not. They won. The Saints are now 6-7 and seven at the bottom of a three-way tie for tops in the NFC South. Derek Carr played. Yes. I, we talked about it last week. I don't know that I would have. I, I, I don't know that that was safe, but yeah, he did. Yeah, and, you know, we had one of our uh, Facebook commenters, Heidi, join in on our discussion there on the short that we posted... And basically said that this is looking like it could be another Tua situation. And, you know, nobody wants to see that for Derek. Um, and it would be really unfortunate if these injuries back-to-back -back were starting to pile. But yet, Derek Carr made it through the whole game. Now, I don't know if Derek Carr choosing to play had anything to do with the fact that Taysom Hill was out with hand yeah. and foot injuries last week. Which is why nobody saw him, in case you were wondering why he wasn't part of the game. He was out. He, yes. was, he was ruled out and on the, uh, out. the inactive list. So, uh, we're going to wait and see how things look for Taysom this week. Um, and Derek Carr got out of the game relatively unscathed as far as injuries go. So, uh, he will likely start this week coming against the Jets uh, unless, unless something, something crazy happens. Um, the Jets or the Giants? Giants, I'm sorry. Uh, that's right. I mean, they're both... No, I'm not. No, Actually, they're both the New Jersey little, teams? The, the, well, yeah. But the Giants are, I was going to say they're both kind of pooping the bed this year, but the Giants are actually doing uh, not too bad uh, in comparison to the Jets. So uh, Derek Carr, in this game last week, he was 18 for 26, 119 yards. 70 yards of those yeah. were in the fourth quarter. Nice. Back when, uh, when Carolina was just going forward on every fourth down because they had to and they weren't getting anything. And pretty uh, much on a huge deep ball to Chris Olave also. Yeah, correct. Uh, we had two touchdowns. Here he had two touchdowns, one interception. Yep. Quarterback rating of 88.5, 69.2 completion percentage. Uh, the quarterback rating, you'd love to see that in the triple digits consistently. Yeah. But 69.2% completion percentage. That's, that's, that's positive. That's, that's a positive stat. Uh, despite a slow start, the Saints outright owned this game. They were never really in any jeopardy of, of losing, unlike the 20-17 to 17 win they had in Carolina in Week 2. 
but we did see the reemergence of Angry Daddy. Yes. In the third quarter, after a third down Damn. sack, Derek Carr Woo. and center Eric McCoy. They were filmed walking to the sidelines yelling at each other. McCoy just, would later tell reporters. No, go ahead. Yeah, just saying how much they care about each other and appreciate the hard work they're doing. I love you! No, I love you! I tell you what, I doubt those were the words no. that were coming out of their mouth. You might have been one of the words coming out, but I'm pretty sure love wasn't <laughs> the one in front of it. No, indeed. Um, now, I, I don't know. Uh, you couldn't see faces, and even if I could, I'm not a lip reader, but they did not look happy. Mm-mm. That's all I'm saying. Uh they were uh mccoy would later tell reporters in the locker room that he quote lost his cool and that a public fight deserved a public apology so he took that opportunity to apologize on camera to Derek carr both players would uh in addressing the situation say that they were both in part right and both in part wrong but they circled back worked it out smiled and everything is all good so uh hopefully so we will uh, we'll see next week Jamal Williams yes talk about Jamal Williams for a second had a couple of big plays some mm. nice runs and he was getting going you could see in his face he was getting excited he was ready can we get Jamal Williams a touchdown please I don't know please, what one what this offensive strategy is at this point how has how, how he not scored a touchdown you have the NFL's leading touchdown back come to your team everyone was excited at the signing they're like no way this is impossible how are we doing this with our cap situation and we took rb10 fantasy wise and we drug him all the way down to irrelevancy correct i mean i don't know the numbers i haven't looked them up but i feel like he's got about as many carries as adam prentice this season um and I, and I joke, but it's it's almost sadly kind of true. Now, we were expecting to get a lot more production out of him when Alvin Kamara was suspended earlier in the season and he got injured, and I get it. But I know from talking to Jamal Williams, I got a chance to hang out with him at yep. a preseason contract signing, or not contract, autograph signing. Boy, he was ready oh, yeah. to come in and play this season. He I, was ready to do exciting. big things. And... Look, he was on the sidelines dancing during scoring breaks, and he, he was Mr. Energy in that game. He is ready. Put Jamal Williams in the end zone. Hashtag let Jamal score. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting the trend. We need to start blasting that all over social media. Hashtag let Jamal, Jamal score. score. It is entirely too long. since Has he had a game where he's had... 30, 40 yards or more? Nine games, 224 total yards so far. I mean, one of the best running backs in the league. Hands down, the best one that Detroit had. Yeah. And that was a that was a loaded running back room that they cleaned out. And you thought we were getting the best piece of it. And I tell you what, not to take anything away from Alvin Kamara, yeah. but... Great season for Alvin. Why Why can't we have two stud running backs? And that's the weird thing is that, you know, you look at the 09 season, the whole entire build of that offense was that you had a three-headed monster in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Every time the Saints are getting close to playoff contention, there's a multiple back backfield. When it was Alvin and Mark Ingram, no matter what, even back in 06, you're talking Reggie and Deuce. I mean, there's always right. been two backs that keep the Saints re- relevant on offense. And I tell you what, the glory about the two backs that we have right now, 
back in those those eras that you talked about when you talked about yeah. you know you're having Mark Ingram and Reggie Bush, Reggie Bush and Deuce McAllister, those dynamic duos. Not to, to but they they were they were dynamic. You had a Mark Ingram or a Deuce McAllister that you knew was your smash yeah. mouth right up Straight the gut the running back every time. And then you had your your Reggie Bush type, or you had your Pierre Thomas type That's right. that was flashy finesse. Your outside runner, cutback, misdirection. Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles, correct. Why, with both of these two runners, either one could be either at any time. Which is the amazing part. You seem to have meshed them together and made two of them. And not one time, not one time all season, have they both been in, in the same play. Not one time. No. Missed opportunities. Are you kidding me? I don't I don't understand it. Hashtag let Jamal score. And personally I thought this game was gonna be the one with no Taysom. You can say, okay, Jamal doesn't get as much touches because Taysom has to be the misdirection. Taysom is the misdirection back, even though he's acting as a tight end, labeled as a quarterback. We had this discussion earlier, you all remember it. But now that you're seeing it without Taysom, you're still using Alvin as an every down back and you maybe throw Jamal in to just give him a rest but it's not a designed element, really. Sure, he has plays built in the playbook, but they're not say, okay, here's Jamal's drive, go get your yardage. You know, it's really unique to see are the Saints strategically putting Alvin in this position. So I am curious to see what the future for Jamal Williams in New Orleans is. Jamal Williams was signed to a three-year contract. Yeah. So he has two more years on the deal for him. It makes you wonder, and someone, some pundit, a pundit somewhere, uh, threw this out there. And at first, I was like, "Nah, not gonna happen." And then I went, "Well, wait, maybe." Let's think about Just it. Just maybe. What if you pick up Jamal Williams when you can, mm-hmm. and you hold him for a year, thinking, "We'll uh, we'll do some things with Alvin this year." Let him break a couple franchise records. Mm-hmm. And then maybe, maybe we dangle him out there in the trade pool and see. Now, granted, I think that was before uh, you've got the Mike Thomas issue. Mike Thomas yeah. is now on injured reserve again. I definitely think that he needs to be shopped around. We'll see if He's he comes spent, back this year. He has spent the better portion of three seasons on IR. He's not really doing anything for us. I mean, it's not that he's not a great receiver, yeah. but... And he's on an incentive-based one-year contract. I mean, that was the thing. He had the opportunity to get his full money this year. And part of it being injury, part of it being the offensive situation, it's not going to happen. So where is Michael Thomas out on the market? So I'm going to I'm gonna get some folks really excited with a scenario that I don't okay. think will ever happen love, in a million scenarios. years. Say it loud. <laughs> All right. Let's hypothesize, if you will. Okay. In the offseason, the Saints make a move with Alvin Kamara. I don't care. Send him wherever you want. Get whatever you want for him. Doesn't matter. He's not there anymore. Jamal Williams bumps, bumps up to RB1. Saints draft Jaden Daniels. Mm, you're doing it to him. Now you have a rushing quarterback who can throw and Jamal Williams. Hmm. Does that not open that kind of 
uh, Lamar Jackson RPO style uh, pro based option rushing uh, offense, which is not a thing the Saints have ever had really before. Dare I hate to push it along a little bit further, but you also drafted Keandre Miller, who is basically designed to be the Alvin Kamara model. I'm not saying they're gonna. You don't know anything. But for the we sake of anything. argument, I won't say they won't. But if they did, and it happens, make sure you're hitting that subscribe button so you know where to get your latest <laughs> predictions and hypotheses. Get here first. Uh, that's a next season thing. Yeah, Let's very finish much a next this season. This season first. Four games, one month. No, 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 no. Four guaranteed games. That's right. The Saints could very easily earn that fifth game. You're, and I know you're ready you're going, for that playoff game in the Dome, aren't you? Dave, you got to quit drinking the Kool-Aid while you're up in the booth. But hear me out on this one. There are four games left in the regular season, and right now the Saints are losing both tiebreakers. Yes. But it is still very much possible for the Saints to take the NFC South. Donald, I'm going to lay the scenario out for you, and I want you to tell me what you think. Okay. Not necessarily if you think they will do it. But just let's hear it. But if you think it's, if you think it's actually possible. Okay. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, the Saints are going to have to win against Tampa Bay and Atlanta, and we have okay. to play them both before the end of the season. So for the sake of argument, we're going to say that the Saints win both of those games. Sure. Because they have to. They okay? have to. So uh, in the next four games, the Saints have the Giants this yes. weekend, the Rams uh, next Thursday. Yes. Then the Bucks, then the Falcons. Now, we've already said we have to assume the Saints beat the Bucks and the Falcons, which yes. they could do. The Giants, I think they win this week. Okay. I, I think they should, easily. So that's three wins. The Rams have been playing pretty well as of late, and the Saints have struggled against teams with winning records, mm-hmm. let's be honest. So the Saints, let's say they go 3-1 and one in the next four games. Okay. That would give them a 9-8 and eight finish to the season. Okay. Now you got to worry about the other teams, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go to Tampa Bay first. Let's hear it out. Tampa Bay's next four games. This week they've got Green Bay. I think Green Bay could beat Tampa Bay. At Green Bay, by the way. At Green Bay. Green Bay is hard to beat at Green Bay. In, in any December. iteration, any iteration of Green Bay, especially in December, yeah, is hard to beat at Lambeau. So that's an L. Then you've got Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence is playing, and they have been exceptional all year. Well, they haven't been exceptional. They've been good. They've been better than the NFC South. That's right. So I'm going to chalk that up to another L. Then you've got the Saints in the third game. We've already established that's an L. Tampa Bay loses three straight. They finish at Carolina. That's a W. They'll win that one. So if they go one and three in the next four games... They'll finish seven and ten behind the Saints, who are nine and eight. Okay. Okay. Atlanta's been the team we've really been worried about. That everybody has been like, Atlanta's probably going to take the South. Let's look at their final four, okay. shall we? Yeah. They start this week against the Panthers. Okay, that's a win. Yep. They're going to win that one. The week after that, they have the Colts. Colts have been playing pretty decent ball lately. Minshew mania. The Colts could beat. The Falcons. They could. It's very realistic. Very. So I'm going to give them an L on that. Third out of fourth game is the Bears. The Bears. 
they're gonna beat the Bears. The Bears. No, Justin Fields is trying to get himself some trade stock, so maybe. I would love to see it, but for the sake of argument, I'm gonna say they get by the Bears. I'll allow it. All right, and then we finish with the Falcons. We've already established we win. So the next four, they split. They go two and two, which means the Falcons finish eight and nine. Yep. In that scenario, the Bucks finish seven and ten. Falcons finish eight and nine. Saints finish nine and eight. We would be four and two in the division. And we win. And we win the South. As much disgust as there is in the Saints Nation right now, Dennis Allen could still end up coaching the NFC South champions. Believable or not? I think there's a lot of elements to that that is absolutely on the table. I think you look at a couple of things that the Saints were gifted unintentionally. They play the Rams on a Thursday night. So even if you have a knockout dragout game with Tommy Cutlets this week, uh, Tommy DeVito, coming down from New York. Oh, And the Saints managed to win that one, right? Then you get a short game. Let's say you get caught up by Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup goes off, something like that, right? You lose that one on a Thursday. It is historically noted that teams that have extra time to prepare tend to do better. So you have to go to Tampa Bay on New Year's Eve. A little bit of a weird kick time with that sort of, you know, everyone's trying to party, everyone's trying to go. Um, Sometimes those home crowds are a little bit more, uh, what we call it, maybe uh, mild, a little bit less, particularly in Florida. Um, Especially for a team that's not overproducing. Yeah, you have a chance to sneak up on Tampa. I think that that first game was one where you had to get a lot of things going. And how nice would it be for a native New Orleanian to enjoy a Floridian New Year's Eve? How about that? That would be so, so ideal. (laughs) But yeah, that first game against Tampa, look, that was Alvin's first game back. You were trying to reincorporate an offense. You were trying to reshape everything. It was, you know, coming off Derek's injury in Green Bay, so you were getting everything fixed from there. There were a lot of issues that were happening in that first Tampa game, and it still was close at the end. You know, the score got a little bit out of hand, but it's possible. Then you look at Atlanta. Um, Atlanta's not unbeatable. That game was really weird in the uh, Georgia, well, sorry, in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Stadium. Um, it's, it's, you know, at home. And if the Saints fan base is smart, if the Saints fan base has a brain, not saying that it's going to be unintelligent because it doesn't, but if it, ha- if it can conceptualize the idea, if your team has a chance to win a division title and make the playoffs, and this goes a little bit against what I laid out last week in my, you know, should we tank, should we not? If you are going to go for it, which it seems the organization is going to push forward no matter the pushback from the fans. Saints fans, you can't sell your tickets. You can't go and leave the Dome 35% Falcons because they will absolutely buy every single ticket. I've been there against the Falcons when we're not doing great, and let me tell you, they will not stop flapping those wings and yelling random stuff that makes no sense, doing a Braves chop in the middle of the Dome. I, I, I don't get it. It's a weird fan base. You have to protect your home turf. 
first game of 2024, leave the nonsense of 23 behind, and see if maybe you can luck out. You know, if you end up getting into the playoffs, there's nothing saying that you couldn't maybe only lose to the Eagles by 20. And that would feel really good, right? Well, that's... Do we think that Philadelphia is going to end up in the five? I mean, right now they is are. Dallas, so. Is Dallas going to take the north? I hope not, because that's a whole other fan base I don't want to get chirping. Not the north, but the west. But yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because, you know, they're definitely geographically, I'm geographically aligned challenged. with the east. I am so geographically challenged. So are they. <laughs> Clearly. I'm not saying that the Saints will win. But if so, they did. I'm saying they could and they can. They really can. They I, I would not count it out. And at, like I said, I would rather be drafting. Me personally, I'd rather have lost to Carolina, cleaned house, and be drafting Jaden Daniels and starting a new. But that is not what this organization is going to give us, which you have mentioned many times. Thank you for keeping the fan base honest. Let's go get another banner. What else I are mean, we going to do? So... Here is a very, and this is the the last point that I'm going to put on this. Okay. Because the climate is what it is. Yeah. And right now, Saints fans, it's such a uh, nine and eight for Dennis Allen is progress. It is. A division title is progress. Yep. Progress should mean you're not going to lose your job. It would be so crazy for the head coach of a football team to show progress, to win a division title, and then be fired in the offseason. This could be one of the only times that I can remember in my Saints fandom that Saints fans would be angry about making the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Angry about winning the division because they either have to admit that Dennis Allen is is doing Partially better than competent. they yeah. Yeah, than is doing better than they want him to do cheering against your team to support yourself and yeah. your own wants for the team because you think you could do better I, it's such a weird weird time for Saints football it fans. It is, and it's creating a very entertaining product as a matter of it. Well, I hope you guys are entertained because we are doing our damn level best. So I, I know you're struggling up there in that uh, booth. You know, <laughs> There's a lot of birds getting into the building. There, There is a reason why I am not screaming the intro this week's show. Dad is, Dad is working. Dad yeah. is putting in that work. Yep. Oh, goodness. Saints are going to put in their work this week against the G-Men, and we will break that down when we come back in predictions a little bit later. Uh, we're about to kick it around the boot. Still a little Absolutely. bit more football talk. Despite being so far into uh, the pro season, outside the regular, regular season. college season, uh, there's still a lot of football to talk about. Stopped. Next no. season schedules are coming out. That's right. So uh, we're going to talk about there. that here. In just a moment. Uh, kind of like Saints fans nowadays, everybody has something to say, but not everybody has a way to say mm. it. Well, they didn't used to anyway. Omega Sound and Entertainment, proud partners of the Boot Sports Network and equipment providers for Boots to Balls. 
would like to introduce Omega Sound Mobile Podcasting. They can show up wherever you are with all the gear and expertise that you'll need. Recording, editing, producing, even publishing. Whatever level of help you need, they are happy to provide. Omega Sound Mobile Podcasting is available now. For more information, check out omegasounddjs.com or call them at 985-503-3357. That's 985-503-3357. And, of course, you're here with us as we are without one of our own. As producer Brett has his obligations outside of the podcast, we are here with you this week, and we ask you in support of him that you drop us that great follow that you share with a friend or family member so that way producer brett's legacy is still carried on through this wonderful episode 17 of boots to balls and that you're able to find his other content on our other previous episodes for your regular laughs here on the show you can go back on all of our archives be it through youtube we post regularly episodes to facebook now as well you can find previous episodes, clips, all of that there. Don't forget our short format content and up-to-date news posts over on X and Instagram. We're one of the best there. We give you some of the latest breaking Louisiana sports news as we can find it. Again, you can go ahead, share with your family, share with your friends, get your dog to send it out as like a little carrier pigeon, put it on their collar, mm. and just run them around the neighborhood. It'll be a great time. If you have a package of cookies you're delivering to the neighborhood this fall, throw, hey, subscribe to Boot Sports Network. You're going to love it and your family will too. It's a great time this holiday season and we want to share the love of Boots to Balls with all. And maybe, just maybe, if we all watch this episode and, you know, we really get that warmth, it will create enough moisture in there and we'll see some snow. Now, wouldn't everyone in Louisiana love to see some snow? I can't guarantee it, but if you share the love of the Boot Sports Network, maybe we'll get to see it. Don't forget, share, subscribe, and hit that follow button. You know who would not love snow? Who's that? Whoa, the ducks? They would fly away from the snow. They would, yeah. Just having fun with the new soundboard. Producer Brett's not here, so... We get to do what we want. Yeah, we do. And we are now going to kick it around the boot. Donald, you ready? Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Let's kick it! All right, so we, t- we started talking about, uh, while we're, we're still kind of looking at the, uh, the bowl game schedule this week, we don't have a national champion, but we already are starting to get looks at next year's college schedules. That's right. They're starting to drop this week. Yep, some, notice, some notable notes from LSU's 2024 schedule next year. They're going to kick off against USC. So, sorry, Florida State. You don't yep. get to beat us next season. And we don't get to get you back for what you did to us either. Thank goodness. <laughs> we'll try our hand with USC instead. And then it looks like we're going to have an in-state matchup against Nichols, the, uh, Second the champs. Yeah. Uh, we'll get them, uh, the Southland Conference champs, in week two. And now they've only laid out the first four weeks. And then yes. they've dropped all of the other... Uh, opponents that we're going to have. I don't oh. know. Now, if I will they... mention this. This was late last night. They did announce you will have Ole Miss in Tiger Stadium on October 12th. So, a more traditional timing schedule with them, not late in the season, not too early. Sort of that middle season. Okay. Like that. So, what I'm curious to see is if the order yeah. of opponents that they have Stays listed the is going to be the order when the, the actual days and times come out for the rest of the schedule. If that is the case, uh, and I don't think it will be, because it looks Probably like they've not. got everybody listed. There's just, like, 
eight home games and four away games. Yeah, it wouldn't line back up to back, nice. to back to back to back to back. It'd be really weird. Uh, but if that were the case, you'd have Oklahoma and Alabama back to back in Tiger Stadium. Please no. Yeah, Please that don't. would be a very interesting two week span. Alabama's going to get Oklahoma at the end of the year, November twenty third. Hmm. Hmm. Good luck to Auburn next week. Yeah, for real. We had Mizzou this season. We get Vandy next season. A great upgrade. I'm, I'm good. Love that. I'm good that. I'm a I'm a huge fan. Uh, so that'll be kind of interesting. And then uh, again, if everything stays the way it is currently, which we don't know that it will, uh, we could potentially look to finish with A and M, Florida, and then Arkansas. Yes. Which that could be a pretty interesting end to the season. Tulane's full season has not been released yet, uh, but in their first four games. They're going to host Southeastern, Tulane, and Southeastern at Yulman. Yay for Tulane! Yay for Tulane! It's going to be a tough start for Southeastern, I think. Uh, to be Summerall's first victim, oh, I wouldn't want that. Yeah. I wouldn't want that at all. Yeah, you hate to see it. Yep. And then uh, they're going to host. Uh, well, after hosting Southeastern, they get Kansas State before Ooh. heading to Oklahoma and then ULL, another in-state matchup. That that's that's gonna be so, they loaded that out-of-conference slate. They sure did. So you're telling me that there's a chance that Tulane could have a strong enough strength of schedule to actually make the playoff? I'm, it's not out of the realm of possibility pretty strong schedule it's a stretch though it is a stretch. i don't know it's a, it's a strong schedule but it's a stretch we'll have to see but what's not stretching is the organization of southeastern schedule no southeastern start the schedule starting to look pretty interesting as we mentioned they're going to start uh at tulane at the end of august then they travel to southern miss and then uh they're going to have a lot of the just the in-conference matchups mm-hmm. before ending the season with the yearly Riverbell Classic Absolutely. against Nichols, the defending Southland Conference champs. Nichols, uh, they're going to have an interesting start to their season as mm-hmm. well. They've got La Tech in game one before facing LSU in week two. La Tech, LSU. Good luck. Eat your Wheaties, boys. Good luck on that repeat. <laughs> And then they're going to have another very interesting in-state matchup. The Southern Jags have found their way onto the Nichols State Colonels calendar. Is don't know when or where yet. That We don't know when or where yet. I don't believe that one has been uh, determined yet. That'll be a fun one, though. You have to imagine. You don't get to see those two go together pretty often. Nope. That's going to be, that is going to be one that uh, I definitely know will be calling. We'll I, I hope they find a way to put that in a larger venue because I think that could absolutely draw it. I don't know if you'd want to go up to Shreveport or if you want to go in the Superdome, but... I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. It is going to be a home game for Southern. Home game for Southern. Okay, Mumford, 30000 You got room over there. Um, yep. And I, while we're mentioning Southern, this uh, was just announced before we started recording, came out today, that Southern will retain their interim head coach who led them to a victory in the Bayou Classic. That's Terrence Graves. He's been an assistant coach with Southern. This is now his third stint as an assistant. Been an assistant for over 30 years amongst HBU schools. He is the only coach to lead both Southern and Grambling to a victory in the Bayou Classic. 
and it looks like that the administration was satisfied enough with his performance to go ahead and give him the opportunity to go and be a head coach. Congratulations, Terrence. Uh, that's going to be a great opportunity. You know, good on you, Coach Graves. 30 years of hard work as an assistant. Finally get to go ahead and lead the team full-time. And look, he's seen every part of what their schedule is. He's been everywhere, been the you know, Prairie View, been the Norfolk, Grambling, doesn't matter. He understands the team, and it's already a team that's a winning record. You just need a couple more wins, and you're in the SWAC championship. You're playing for a Celebration Bowl. So we love to see that from Southern. We hope that it leads them to some great success as the upcoming season gets going. Still looking at Grambling to fulfill their coaching full time. Uh, sorry, they did last week. So now only ULM has a outstanding head coaching vacancy. Hold on a second. I want to say, I want to say that I thought I saw that they have have uh, the Warhawks hired a coach. I think they have. Hold on. We the, might have some breaking news. Breaking news. We'll find out here in just a second. It looks like you were you were correct. Brian Vincent will be the seventeenth. Yeah, I thought I saw that earlier. Absolutely. So now there are no outstanding positions in the state of Louisiana. And well, they're all outstanding. Well, they're all outstanding, <laughs> except that one team that we don't need to mention. But <laughs> all right. Uh, so that's what's going on Absolutely. around the boot. But. We want to go what arounds the rim and or didn't on one particular night. You know, it was such a great show up until this point. And now we have to ruin it. <laughs> so the Pelicans, who had a fantastic run in the in-season tournament, yep. making it to the knockout round, they got knocked out. They got knocked they out got, cold. They got Mike Tyson in his early prime. And Playing knocked, in Vegas, and they got knocked out. He got he met Debo from the movie Friday and got oh, knocked up. Ow, ow, man! Lakers put a beating on them that you just don't see often in the yeah. NBA anymore. One thirty-three to eighty-nine. LeBron and AD went off. No mercy. It was over early. Yep. They uh they would go on to win the tournament. The Lakers would. So congratulations! At least I don't feel. I, for real. I don't feel bad about losing to the champs. No. I feel bad about losing that bad. But for what it's worth, the Pels also felt pretty bad about it. So bad that they bounced back to beat the Timberwolves 121-107. to The Timberwolves are currently tops in the Western Conference. Absolutely. So they went, oh, oh yeah? Yeah? No, yeah, well, let watch me, this. Before you, 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 they got us, but look what we could do. Look what we could do. Absolutely. So uh, the the Pels are they're not done. Uh, whatever. Yeah. What what did Sylvester Stallone say? <laughs> oh, this Life is not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and get up and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. My best producer Brett doing a Sylvester Stallone impression. That's why we miss him. That's why we miss him. Yeah. Gone too soon. But, look, looking at this Pelicans team here, I feel like they're a bit of a misrepresented interpretation. If you only are really catching national media here and there, you're hearing a lot of people drag on your Pelicans, and that should not be tolerated. This team is 10-6 and six against teams above 500. They beat the number one team in the Western Conference by over 10 points last night, 14 total. 
this is not a team that is in any way to be slept on, to be disrespected. They are a legitimate contender, and part of it is that they're playing in one of the toughest conferences once again in the Western Conference. You have, sorry, divisions in the Western Conference. You have Dallas, who has had some great opportunities. You know, we saw Kyrie go down this week with an injury. We hope that he's back up quickly. Um, or not, your choice, you know. Uh, and then Houston. You we know, wish him well personally. Yeah, personally. And then, you know, Houston is coming out of nowhere in the absence of Memphis, but John Morant's looking at you right over the ledge waiting for his suspension to end before he can jump back in and get involved there. So this division is just going to be an absolute just knockout fest. It's two games behind for the Pelicans right now, right there still in striking distance of being first in the division. They're playing good overall, like I said, against quality teams. Now, 3-5 and five against teams under 500, that's a little bit of something you want to get uh, fixed or, you know, sort of uh, wrapped up. But, hey, you've played about a third of this season without Zion or C.J. McCollum or some combination of the both. This is sort of the first stretch in the entire three-year run you've had all of them that you've been able to see Zion, B.I., and C.J. play together. Now... Obviously, when they get to showcase themselves on the big stage and you lay a 40-point goose egg in Vegas, it makes some people sort of clinch. And for a lot of you, that was your first time watching the Pelicans all year because football runs the state. We know that. But this team is very good. They're very competent. They're very capable. And I believe they're going to be a top-six seed in the West. And where they go from here will be very interesting. They have some... A bit of a gap in the schedule as far as uh, strength of schedule, so maybe they'll pick up some wins and get a little bit of distance there. David, you, you have any chance to go out, see some Pelicans, or watch a few games here or there yet? I have not yet, but it is definitely on my list of things to do. Uh, the Pels, they are uh, they're about to get into a three-game road trip. Uh, Washington, uh, they'll handle the Hornets in Charlotte on Friday, yep. which we will be predicting that one in just a few minutes. And then they're going to stop in San Antonio to stun the Spurs Sunday before a brief check-in back at home with the Grizzlies next Tuesday. And then they're back on the road again. So four straight games against teams under 500. Yep. So it'll be in my New Year's resolutions to see a Pels game because I don't believe I'm going to get a chance to see many uh, while they're they're home prior to to New Year's. I don't think that's going to happen. But no, definitely want to see them. They're doing big things. We... uh, we have some some chats. Our the director for the New Orleans Saints uh, yeah. game day experience is also the director for the New Orleans Pelicans game day experience. So we get a chance to chat about things and, yeah. and what they're doing and how they work. And a lot of the the moving parts for our organization are the same for theirs. And shared ownership. Uh, of course. There there are big things happening in the SKC. I'm anxious to get in there and uh, and watch a game. And, and I'm going to tell you what. And this is going to be a shame on me for saying it. I haven't watched a game as a fan since I started calling games for the Saints and Pels. Every Pelicans game that I have seen in person since I've started calling has been in an employment capacity. Hmm. Now that I've I've been there and behind the the table, I would love to see, like, I would just love to be part of the, the crowd experience again. Yeah, you know, so it's on my list of things to do this season, and this is a team to watch. They are electric, they are exciting, and they are averaging well over a hundred points a game. That's 
Pelicans ball like we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, and I think what you could even see is maybe a Boot Sports Network at the Smoothie King Center at some point. So maybe we'll organize don't hate something it. down the road and, you know, get to maybe meet some of you. That would be cool. That would be very, very cool. Let us know if there's a game you'd want to meet us at. We'll see if we can make it happen. Boot Sports in the SKC, baby. I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh, you know who's not in the PMAC anymore? Who's that? Who won't be in the PMAC anymore? Is it someone that was on the team last year and won a trophy and is now going to have to go find somewhere else to play basketball? Mm-hmm. Woo. Ladies and gentlemen, it is with a sad and heavy heart. Indeed. That we wish all the best in her future endeavors. Yes. Kateri Poole. No longer last week. The Tigers. Yep. Last week we reported that uh, she wasn't with the team. This week, Kim Mulkey shared the news, saying that she ain't coming back. Uh-uh. Uh, after the ULL game, reporters brought up Kateri Poole, asking about a timetable for her return, and all that was said, simply in a very matter-of-fact form. If you saw the pre the uh, the presser, yeah, it, it was just uh, she's no longer with us. That was it. Done. Yeah. yeah. What? She's she's gone. What? Yeah. Yeah. Confirmed. No. no longer part of the team. Moving right along. Boom. And not another Kateri. word was spoken. Good on Kateri. Said congratulations and thank you, Tiger Nation. She gave her praise to the school, to the fans. Yep. Unlike someone else that we will not mention on this on this uh, particular program, and you know who it is, Louisiana sports fan. Yeah. So we do. We wish Kateri Poole the best. But don't it make you wonder? You know, the timing of things is a funny little coincidence. Locker room issues. That's been like the word, the words, the phrase. Yeah. That have followed and plagued the LSU Lady Tigers this season. They should just be out balling like they do, handling business, working towards a back-to-back title. But now so many people are keeping an eye on these locker room issues. Angel Reese being out for a little while. Locker room issues. Kateri Poole is out. Locker room issues. The timing of those two locker room issues coincides. And then suddenly Kateri Poole is gone for good. What? in the world is going on in that locker room. And even stranger. We'll never know. Angel Reese speaks for Kateri Poole and basically gives a positive message to the Tiger Nation on behalf of her former teammate. So we really don't know. That threw out half the, half the conspiracies. Yeah, Correct. So all that really matters and all that Coach Mulkey would want us to let you know anyway is they still playing. They still winning. Do you want to give the score update? Because I'm looking at it and my goodness, it's a uh... I haven't seen it, so you give it. So with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, the LSU Lady Tigers currently lead McNeese. McNeese having 36 points in this game. Wait, let me guess. How much much longer to play? There's five minutes to play in the game, and McNeese has 36 points. You guess the rest. 87. And I'm not looking at it. Jesus Christ. 121 to 36 with five minutes left in the game. They're I do not know the scoring record, on. 
at LSU, but there's a good chance if it is not already broken, it's being broken tonight. For those of you with interest in the desert, the line was 63 and a half. I hope you took uh, the Tigers. The over, yeah. I yeah. wish I had taps on my soundboard because I feel like we should play it. Yeah, you hate to see that for They're the Cowgirls. Uh, the Cowgirls are 3-6 and six on the year, and they're currently 0-2 away from uh, Lake Charles, but uh, it's not going to get when better tonight. When was the last time any team dropped 100 on another team? You know, it's not that uncommon. I don't think uncommon. that even happened with that game in the Caymans. Yeah, it's not that uncommon in women's basketball, but it's usually against, you know, a Division Two opponent or, you know, a no. very early FCS school. McNeese is a pretty... Decent basketball university. They compete. Um, not tonight. No, not tonight. This has not been the Cowgirls in particular best season, but uh, we're going to talk about the Cowboys a little bit later in predictions. Uh, we will keep you updated if LSU breaks the 150 mark. Yeah, Ladies and gentlemen, a moment of silence for your McNeese Cowgirls. Yowza. And oh, I'll tell you oh, what. McNeese also did not score a single point in the second quarter. I tell you what, I'm, if I'm Northwestern, who sees Southeastern, or not Southeastern, LSU on the 17th, I'm starting to shake in my demon boots. That's right. My Good goodness. Grief. Go, well, go Tigers. Uh, go Coach Kim Mulkey. How about that? Correct. I, that, and look, to the point, that's what I said. They need to just keep playing, just keep winning, try to take people's minds, focus, and attention off of the locker room issues. That's By the sure way, Haley Van do isn't even playing tonight. She's injured with a foot injury. So uh, Correct. Yeah. Team's loaded. I mean, good grief. All right. So before we get too far into that, we've got some games that we've got to call, and we've got to look back on last week's prediction. Absolutely. Before we predictions, predictions. before we get to them, no self-respecting sports fan likes to play on ugly turf, which is why I and so many others trust my lawn care to flirt a green lawn and landscaping. Chris and the crew at Florida Green do so much more than mow lawns, which I can tell you from firsthand experience that they do do well. But they can also help with landscaping installation, plant and garden maintenance, drainage, irrigation installs and repairs, pavestone patios, fences, and much, much more. For examples of their work, check them out on Facebook at Florida Green Lawn and Landscape, or for more information, call Florida Green at 504 240 8044 or email F dglandscape at gmail.com tell them that david storm sent you flirt green lawn and landscape they love what they do you will too i do all righty is it time to look back at me winning the week for once you did actually hey that was you had a wonderful week it wasn't perfect But it was pretty, pretty, pretty good. I give you the clap. Thank you. Thank you. Finally. Get, like I said, I'm coming. We got till the Super Bowl. Forget that uh, first championship. So let's let's go. We ain't done yet. We ain't done yet. All right. So let's start with uh, Army-Navy. Okay. So we all kind of anticipated a very low-scoring matchup in this one. And we were all pretty close. Yeah. <clears throat> Brett even joined us on this one. He said 22-14 to 14 Army. You said 21 to 10 Army. Mm. I said 20 to 6 Army. That's how close we all were. It was 17 11. Brett mm. and I were both off by 8. Donald, you were off by 5. You with the first, the first thing on the line. Yeah, let's go. 
All right, game two. La Tech versus oh, ULL, men's basketball. And it was just you and I because uh, Brett doesn't do basketball. We yeah. both had Tech in this one. I thought it was going to be a little higher scoring. I said 83-71. to 71. You were a little closer to home. 77-61. You were off by 11. I was off by 15. That's double for Donald. Getting it done. Game three last week, Tulane versus Mississippi State men's basketball ball. We were both a little off on yeah. this one. Uh, 106 to 76, Mississippi State was the final. I thought Tulane was going to pull it out, mm-hmm. and I was closer to the score prediction. I said 77-71 Green Wave, but you. you picked Mississippi State, so you won by virtue of picking the right team despite being 40 points off. You said 82 to 60. But you picked Mississippi State, so three ding for Donald, the hat trick, as it were. Indeed, I'm gonna indeed. have to, I'm gonna have to change things up a little bit. LSU versus all oh, ULL Lady Basketball. Now this was on uh, the tenth. Uh, LSU surprised nobody no. in this one. We knew that LSU was gonna win. We even had Charlotte Hall jump in. Charlotte said she thought LSU was gonna win 109-58. She was off by 31. You said 101-64. You were off by 29. I said 91 to 54. It was 83 to 50, 83-53. I was off by nine. So, hey, how about that? I got one. Pell's Lakers game five. We called. It didn't boy, happen. Boy, we it didn't. I'd like, I'd like to scrub this one from the record, and I'm sure the Pell's would too. As we said, 133-89 Lakers. We both picked the Pels in this one. So this is by virtue of point differential. Mm-hmm. I said 111 to 107. I was off by 40. So were the Pelicans. Yeah. Uh, you said 117 to 108. You were only off by 35. So a ding for Donald. I'll take That's it how I can get it. Four out of five. And our final game of the week, Saints-Panthers. The final in that one was 28-6 New Orleans. Brett, I don't know what he was smoking. He said 21-17 Panthers. Uh, he wasn't even close. No. Charlotte Hall joined us in on this one, one of our listeners predicting the games. She thought it was going to be a much lower scoring game. She said 13-3 NOLA. She was off by 18. Yep. Surprisingly closer to your than your prediction. You said 27-24 NOLA. You were off by 19. You gave Carolina way too much credit. Pretty close I said, on the Saints. Pretty close on the Saints. You were pretty close on the Saints. I said 30 to 13, and I was closer overall, only off by nine. So, hey, for me. Uh, the weekly tallies Donald gets four, David gets two, Brett gets a goose egg. <laughs> and uh, that improves the weekly winner overalls. I'm at 46 of 89, Donald 33 of 89, Brett 13 of 51. Still with many games to call. Many, many. Uh, it is, it's not a runaway just quite yet. Now we're going to get into this week's slate. We got five more games to call. Absolutely. And we're going to start with uh, Southern Miss versus McNeese men's basketball. Unlike this season's Cowboys football team, the McNeese men's basketball team is doing things out in the chuck. 
They are 8-2 and two on the year, undefeated at home, and they're about to host the 5-4 Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Both games are in the midst of a three-game winning streak, and it's got to end for somebody. Smart Money is on McNeese, who welcomes back their head coach, Will Wade, from suspension. And what a bad look. What a bad look it would be for this to be a game that they lose. So long as the Cowboys keep doing what they've been doing, I don't think they're going to have any problems. They're outscoring the Eagles. They're allowing fewer opponent, or fewer points. They've got more rebounds, assists, steals, and they're shooting over 50% from the field. Combine all that with the wrath of Wade. I do believe the Eagles are going to get their wings clipped. I'll go first. I'm taking McNeese in this one. 84-71 Cowboys. And this is a big moment for Louisiana sports. We get to see the next era of the Will Wade saga get to be lived out in Lake Charles. You know, we saw a lot of great moments when he was at LSU, continued to contribute to local media while he was away from coaching. Um, And now, you know, he's done his time, if you will, and he's ready to start with his team that is now 8-2. and Uh, They're currently predicted to, of course, be in the tournament as they're leading the Southland right now by a few games, not before conference play, of course. But look, Will Wade does not have to do much to this team to take it to a whole other level. They've already upset major, mid-major conference opponents as far as college basketball goals with uh, wins against VCU. This is a team that's set up to do great things throughout the year. You may not see many more losses for this team. The Southland is not a very strong basketball conference. They much more pride themselves on football and baseball. Uh, And look, I think Will Wade is going to show that he is still the coach that we knew him as. And, uh, you know, continue to put some uh, tugs on the heartstrings for certain Louisiana fans. So I'm going to go ahead and give McNeese the win in this one. I'm taking them at 85-52. to Okay. Just, we both like that mid-80s, but you don't think that uh, Southern Miss is going to get that many points in the game. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's just going to be a, a bit of a runaway at the end. I think it's going to be like, okay, let's let them run. Let's let's see what we can do with the whole thing together for the first time. I dig it. Game two for the week, LSU versus Texas men's basketball. The LSU men's basketball team isn't doing poorly this year. They're at five and four. They're also not having the same success Kim Mulkey is having on the girls' side, especially not tonight. No. Good grief. They're going to travel to take on the nationally ranked Texas Longhorns on the 16th. When you see an unranked Tiger team versus a top 15 Texas team, originally you think easy, no-brainer, Texas in this yeah. one. But looking at the stats, this game could actually go either way. Hmm. Texas is averaging 79 points a game versus 73 for the Tigers. Defenses are only allowing 66 to 69 points per game. Both teams are shooting a little over 45% from the field. If LSU has a chance in this one, their shooting and their communication on the court is just going to have to be better. They're going to need to pass the ball, create easy open shots, and crash the boards if they want to win this one. It's doable. It's not easy. No. But it's doable. Donald, I'm going to give you the chance to go first in this one. Where do you want to go? Look, I I wish I could say better things for Coach Matt McMahon and his men's basketball squad up to this point. Their best win so far is a win over Wake Forest on a neutral court. Wake Forest currently sitting at 6-3 and three on the year. Um, however, that's a much different team than Texas, who is nationally ranked 
has shown themselves to be competitive and they're playing in their home state, be it in Houston in a uh, classic, but not in uh, Austin itself. Look, this is a future SEC matchup. This is something you'll be able to see in future years. This is the type of quality you're going to have to play, as well as Oklahoma, who's a ranked team. You're bringing in two very strong basketball schools to the conference. And LSU has one tune-up game against Alabama State tomorrow. I would very much like to see them really put together a strong game as they're going to need as much practice as they can. They didn't do very well against Southeastern in their last weaker opponent. And uh, they welcomed Kansas State last week and got pretty much wiped out um, after putting up a pretty decent first half, which is the unfortunate part. So I'm going to take Texas in this one, and I'm taking them pretty big. I have them uh, by an 18-point margin here. I have them at uh, 81-64. to 63. Sorry about that. 8163. 81-63, yeah. Despite all the things I just said, I'm taking Texas, too, in this one. I said it was doable, yeah. not easy. Not easy. I think Texas, I think Texas wins, and we're actually not too far away on this one. I say Texas eighty to seventy-three. Oh wow, that's going to be a fun one to I see think, how that turns I think, out. I think LSU is going to get a little closer than sixty-three, but okay. I don't think. It's, I hope so. I hope so. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a win. All right, game three, football, football. college football. Oh. ULL versus Jacksonville State in the Arnell Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Bring on the bowl games. Yes. This Saturday, going to be in the Caesar Superdome at 115, which means they're going to be playing in some fresh wet paint on Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The 6 and 6 Cajuns, they take on the 8 and 4 Jacksonville State Gamecocks. UL is just coming off a 52 21 victory over ULM. So you know that they got to feel pretty good, whereas Jacksonville State, despite crushing La Tech 56-17 in the second-to-last week of the season, they are riding in on a 20-17 loss from NMSU. Now, for a lot of these players, it's the last chance to try to give Pro Scouts something to remember before the offseason. So I think you're going to see a lot of starters in this one. It's not going to be like uh, Jaden Daniels kind of, you know, not playing to protect his draft stock. Uh, this is a very different game here, I Absolutely. think. Uh, you're going to see a lot of the starters in this one. The Cajuns have a shot if their defense can have a big day. Gamecock quarterback Zion Webb has thrown only five touchdowns and conversely six interceptions this season. Hmm. He has a 47.4 quarterback rating right now. It has been his worst statistical collegiate season despite the Gamecocks managing to go 8-4. and four. This one could be fun to watch. Cajuns are three-and-a-half-point dogs with an over-under just under 60. And Vegas might be on to something. I'm picking ULL 27-24 in a close one. So this is a weird one. This is Jackson State's first bowl game, I believe. They're just now making the move up to Conference USA. And they had a much better season than some would have predicted. They went 6-2 and in the conference. Like you said, that went over La Tech and 8-4 and four overall, coming up third in the conference. On the other hand, you look at a team like ULL, who had a little bit of a down year by their standards. They're normally up there in the Sun Belt uh, trying to go up against schools like Appalachian State in Boone, North Carolina. Where? For the Sun Belt Championship every year, but they did not meet that standard this year, coming up fifth in their division of the West 
I think that ULL needs to use this as a chance to continue to convince recruits that they are an elite program in the Sun Belt, that they deserve to be respected from the time that they had during the Billy Napier years, and that the best is yet to come. Um, they're also in the middle of a stadium renovation, just now tearing down the upper deck of Cajun Field, now to be Our Lady of Lord Stadium in Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, so... It's going to be a different move for the Cajuns compared to what you normally see, but I have them taking this one on principle in the state of Louisiana. You cannot lose in the Superdome no matter how good your opponent. You have to protect the boot. I very rarely trust ULL to do that, but in this case, <laughs> I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I have them taking it 32-24. to 24. Okay, we both like 24 for Jacksonville State. I'm a fan of that. All right. Pelicans Hornets. Yes. Game four on our docket. This one's coming to you live on Friday from Charlotte, North, North Carolina. Carolina. You didn't know we'd do it twice, did you? I know. We snuck that in on you. Uh, the 13 and 11 Pelicans, who are four and seven on the road, will challenge the seven and 14 Hornets, who are Ooh. four and eight at home. Pels are going to have all of their starters healthy for this one. Matt Ryan still likely going to be out. Yeah. Uh, he's probably not going to return until just before Christmas. He actually just had a uh, surgery done, so he's now out six to eight weeks on top of that, but uh, getting the problem solved once and for all. So even longer than I had originally anticipated. See, that's why we do these shows. News breaks constantly. Yes. And we pick it up and fix it. Um, <laughs> with the exception of that Lakers game in the tournament, the Pels have been playing very strong ball, averaging Absolutely. close to 120 points per game. The Hornets have only broken that mark once in the last five games, and that was a 129 to 128 week by win over the Brooklyn Nets. If a healthy Pels team flies into Charlotte, they should have no problem leaving that hive alive, unstung, and coming home with another one. Mm. You want to throw the... The prediction first, you want me to go? So, I'll throw it out there first. Um, this is a Charlotte team that is slightly better than the record indicates. Not by much, but slightly. Um, they're playing against, you know, Washington tomorrow. That's one of the worst teams in the East, also in their division. Charlotte has the potential to get a little bit better, but they're never going to quite pass up Orlando or Miami. And, um... With the stars that Atlanta has, it's even harder to really get any traction. That's why you kind of see Charlotte, while still being a decent team in the East, get pushed down sort of in the record standing-wise. Although I think the Pelicans, as we've mentioned earlier, they're getting the chance to finally get their uh, record against teams below 500 resolved this week. They're getting the chance to prove in a potential to put on uh, now what would be a five-game win streak if they just beat all the teams under 500, really push themselves into that potential top six seeds in the West and get that automatic playoff spot. I think this is one they have to take, and I see Zion and B.I. going out there and doing what they have to do. Uh, hopefully you see C.J. get to drain some threes, and I have the Pelicans winning this one pretty handily. Not crazy, but pretty handily. I have them at uh, 111 to 99. This one's going to be a little higher scoring. You think so? I do. Okay. I think uh, it's going to be Pels as well. I like them at 123 to 111. Okay. Sounds so. 111 we'll is both there. 111 both there. Yep. We'll see how that one pans out. And then the final game for us on the docket, Saints-Giants. 
G-Men come to NOLA to round out a three-game home stint for the Saints before heading on the road for a Thursday night before Christmas matchup with the Rams in L.A. And a New Year's, a New Year's Eve trip to Tampa to squash the Bucks. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, but from now on, for any kind of postseason aspirations, every game for the Saints is a must-win. And this one is a should-win, should honestly. Win. Uh, yeah, sure. The Giants have won their last three. They're playing some decent ball right now, but they barely beat Green Bay, which we should have done handily. Yes. Uh, they beat New England, who we shut out by 31. They won 10-7 to in that one. And then they beat Washington, who isn't having a breakout season either. Before that, they were crushed by Dallas and Las Vegas, outscored by a total of 79-23. to If the Saints can uh, if the Saints can all get on the same page, everybody believes this is their game to lose. Vegas has the odds at minus six for New mm. Orleans with a 37.5 point over under. At five and eight, this team ain't Carolina bad, but mm -hmm. they're definitely beatable. And I think that the Saints could find a way to topple the Giants. Give me my team, the Saints, 24 to 10. And as much as it will make our draft stock rise and push us further away from completing a Louisiana connection, and you know, hopefully maybe we want to just you know clean up the team a little bit, trade some guys away, and move up. But I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to say it. I think that the Saints pull it out at the end of the day. You know, you're playing Tommy DeVito, who's put up amazing statistics for being an undrafted rookie. He's putting up just... Really numbers we haven't seen since maybe someone like a Tony Romo to be able to go in and win three games in a row. No interceptions. He's playing immaculate ball, becoming a fan favorite there in New York. The main thing is, though, he's doing it in New York for the most part. Giants are still 2-5 and five on the road this year. They are not strong away from home. This is going to be what we would hope is a hostile crowd, but Giants fans live everywhere. And remember... If you want the Superdome to be black and gold, you have to keep it black and gold. Do what you Amen. will with that information. But tickets are about 20 bucks for this one. Go see the Saints if you want to. Support the team. I have them winning this one. I have it as, you know, again, if Derek Carr can keep throwing me two touchdowns a week, I am implied to think the Saints will score 31. Okay. But I think that the Giants will also be hot on their tails. 27 is what I have them at. Four-point gap there. I don't think, you know, it's going to be something where the Saints have any chance to let up in this game. They're going to have to fight for it. But they are, on paper, the better team. The matchup predictor has them at 80% to 20. This is something they should win on paper. On, you know, just talent-wise, there is no reason why the Saints should not win this, get back to 500. And then, you know, you go 2-1 and one and you're probably in the playoffs. That's all we ask, Dennis. Please don't let us down. So I'm going to speak to the fans for a second on this one. I've already made my prediction. I'm sticking with it. New Orleans 24-10. If you've got tickets to this game, go. 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 I know who the halftime show is. Oh. And you don't want to miss it. Is it Red you definitely, You definitely. No, it's not Red Panda. No, this, it's not the Pelicans. I love Red uh, You are going to want to be in the Dome to come get you some. And I promise you that unless something happens between uh, now, me saying it, and when it comes out, the halftime show 
in a word. Be crunk. Oh, you whoa. don't want to miss it. That sounds like something I might even want to go to. You don't want to miss it. If you got tickets, you're going to kick yourself for giving them away. Go. If only for the halftime show. Go for the team. But you definitely won't want to miss the halftime show. Absolutely. Off the chain. All right. Uh, if you guys have predictions that y'all would like to include Down or below. you have comments about any of the topics that we've discussed in this week's episode, uh, please check out all of the uh, the social channels in the ticker below. Feel free to like and subscribe. As a matter of fact, we wish you would. We wish you would. Our Christmas wish is that not only do you like and subscribe, but did you get friends to do it too? Yes, please. Everyone should just try to pull in like, I don't know, five friends. Five friends. Five friends. That way you and your five friends have something to talk about every week after the next episode airs. You can talk about how crazy my predictions are. That's or, right. Or how Donald is really on point with everything going on in Pell's basketball. Or how somehow the LSU women might win by 100, which, how did that happen? Or why do we keep letting producer Brad back in the show? Uh, we do love producer Brett. We yeah. miss him, and uh, we definitely are looking forward to having him back. I do believe uh, that next week we will be back in the capital city. Absolutely. Uh, situations in life uh, allowing, and uh, we I take, we're going to have to take a look at our schedule. That's that might right. be the last episode of the year with uh, Christmas and the holidays coming up. Right yeah, around. We'll, have we'll have to see to, how everything fits in. So we'll have to talk about it, and then when we when we know, we'll let you guys know. Absolutely. But in the meanwhile, definitely like, follow, subscribe, and comment. Yes. Interact with us, Please. and we will interact back with you. Uh, you can do all of those things if you're watching us on YouTube in the comments section below. Or uh, if you are catching this on anywhere else, uh, there are all sorts of ways to, uh, to comment. If you take the audio-only version of the podcast uh, on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, the easiest thing to remember and to tell your friends, bootsportsnetwork.com. That is your front row VIP ticket to Boots to Balls and all things boot sports. It's where you can leave those comments, questions, and predictions and find us, Donald and I, uh, in your preferred podcast arenas. No matter where or how you listen, just like and subscribe Absolutely. so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to follow us on all your favorite social channels in the ticket below. Uh, and we are also on TikTok as yes. well. So Ooh. if you do the Tiki Taki thing, we do too. We should do it together. You guys all have a fantastic boot sports weekend. And uh, we three, potentially, three. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time right back here on the Boot Sports Network for another coverage outkicking episode of Boots Balls. Bye-bye, everybody. Boots to Balls is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast does not render legal or financial advice. Remember to bet responsibly. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with problem gambling, reach out to your local gambling helpline.